In this episode of the Latino Business Report, actor Luis Guzman opens up about his life and career, discussing his family, his work, and his 30 years of experience in the entertainment industry. Guzman shares stories about his past and how he got his start in showbiz, as well as his hopes for the future. He talks about the importance of family and how it has helped him stay grounded throughout his career. Guzman's openness about his life and career is a testament to his commitment to his craft. I'd like to give a big shout out to Anthony Alcazar, co-owner of Mr. Tortilla, whose help and connections made this episode possible. Mr. Tortilla makes delicious low-carb tortillas, keto-friendly chips, and healthier burritos, made and shipped from San Fernando, California, USA. Welcome to the Latino Business Report. This podcast covers business, people, and issues of the day from a Latino perspective. The Latino Business Report is brought to you by TAMAC, the Texas Association of Mexican-American Chambers of Commerce. TAMAC is the leading Hispanic business organization in Texas since 1975. Now for your host, J.R. Gonzalez. And welcome to another episode. I cannot tell you how excited I am today. Today we have with us Luis Guzman. Luis, if you, come on, you've seen him on TV, you've seen him on movies, you've seen him everywhere. This man has been acting for longer than I can remember. Luis, how are you doing today? I'm good, brother. How are you? I am doing fine. Thank you so much for making time out of your busy schedule to be on the podcast. Um, really excited about it. Luis, I know you have a lot of things going on, and one of the things that we do want to talk about is we do want to talk about what you're on right now, playing Gomez on uh, Wednesday, uh, The Adams Family. But before we get to that, I just find it very interesting. I looked over your bio, and you have an, you've had an interesting career, haven't you, sir? Oh, man, have I? Yeah, I um, I pretty much keep cranking them out. Um, my phone still rings, you know, and I've worked with just about everybody. Um it's been pretty awesome. Uh, I've worked with some great actors and directors and producers and incredible crews and uh, been around the world, you know, and um, it's been an amazing, humbling experience for me. Wow. I can't, I can't, I can't imagine. Now, you were born in uh, Puerto Rico, right? You're Puerto Rican. Yes, sir. Raised in New York. Yep. yep. And you came over as an infant. You came over very young from the island. Yes. And where were you raised in New York? Uh, I grew up in Chelsea. And then we lived in the West Village in the 60s. And in 1970, we moved to the Lower East Side, downtown Manhattan. Okay. Now, you've been... And I had the best childhood ever, dude. You loved it, huh? I mean, you know, growing up... I tell you what, growing up in Greenwich Village, in the West Village in the 60s, was pretty magical, to be honest. I can only imagine. (laughs) I'm sure you've seen some things. Oh, yeah. Well, you see things, you experience things. And it was just like I said, man, just like one of those experiences that as a kid, you know, you walk around the neighborhood, you play stickball, you play stoopball. You know, you go to the local swimming pool, you hang out with your friends. You know, I had a shoe shine box as a kid. I used to do that. Doing the know, hustle, man. Hust- hustling, hustling the coin. Man, I was a delivery boy, you know, for the grocery store. 
me and me and my friends used to fight over who would be the delivery boy for the day, you know. So, and uh, I went to this great school called PS Forty One, and uh, it's a public school. Okay. And a lot of people have come out of that school, you know. And uh, back in the sixties, that school was as diverse as diverse can be, you know. So. I was really proud so, of that. Now you went to where did you go to? You went to what? The city college. I went to city college. I went to city college. Um, I studied at the College for Human Services. I studied at the Institute for Cultural Affairs in Chicago. So I went to a few number of places. Okay. Now, Luis, when you when you um, when you're young and you got out of school and. Acting wasn't on your radar screen, or was it? I mean, you were a social No, nah, I don't know. I mean, acting for me was nothing more than a hobby. Um, I used to hang out with, like, a lot of artists on the Lower East Side because acting really didn't begin to happen to me. Like, in high school, my gym teacher was directing the school play that year. And I walked in, unbeknownst, into the auditions. I said, I said, I ask him, what are you doing? It's all oh, I'm directing the school play this year. And I go, you can't even run a gym class? You're going to direct the play? So he took the <laughs> script, threw it at me, and said, well, let's see what you can do. Well, I kind of opened myself up to that challenge. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so um, I ended up in the school play. That was like my first time on stage. And it was Bye Bye Birdie. And I played Mr. McAfee. Okay. And, and the great Paul Lynn had done that play. Okay. So do you, you know, did you part. did you have, did you have to sing in it as well? I mean, Bye Bye Birdie's a musical. Oh yeah, boy! I had to sing. <laughs> I had to sing. I had to dance. You kidding me, bro? I was like a nervous wreck. It was like, what did I get myself into here, man? But you know what? I had a ball. I met some of my best friends coming out of that play that to this day I still I still like in my life, you know? And, um, yeah, so that was my first play. And then, you know, I graduated from school and, and uh, I joined a, a neighborhood theater company. So some of my friends that I met in the play, Diego and Eddie, they were part of this neighborhood theater company. So they brought me in. I did that. But it was like I said, it was a hobby. It's just something. You know, I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't expecting anything out of it. Okay. And then, um, so if you didn't expect anything out of it, it was a hobby. What was your What was your full time gig at the time? Man, um, let's see. I was a poet. I was a wannabe construction worker. <laughs> I was a. I was a weekend warrior. I was a social activist, a community activist, a youth coordinator. You've done it yeah, all. You name it. That was me. Okay. How do you be a wannabe construction worker? Oh, I want because uh, because because um, uh, I was with this group of people that uh, they used to build geodesic domes. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh, you know, as a teenager coming out of high school, like. Buckminster Fuller ended up being one of my mentors, and so he was teaching us how to make these geodesic domes. And so, 
you know, I would leave it up to the older guy to do all the math. And so my job, my job was just to make sure all the parts were there and putting everything together. And then one day they introduced me to cement and cinder blocks. And that's where I became a, a wannabe construction worker. Got it. So you've had an interesting life, interesting childhood, it sounds like it, and from, uh, from, from, from fighting to who's going to be a delivery boy to, to shining shoes to getting on stage in high school on the dare from your coach. So how did it turn into a full-time gig, Luis? When did you get your first break in acting? Well, um, you know, I had, I, had, I had done some street theater. Okay. You know, and... Um, I did a couple independent movies, and that all came through from my friends in the neighborhood. You know, like hearing somebody say, yo, they'll pay you $150 if you do this part for two days. And back then, $150 was, to some people, a weekly salary. Yeah, better than shining yeah. shoes. Well, you know what, man? I used to make money shining shoes, man. <laughs> I was a hustler, you know? I used to pick, like, my spot. My spot was right there next to the entrance of the bank. You know what I mean? Smart so man. I had, I had a good strategy for making money when I was a kid. Yo, you know what? Back then in the 60s, I made five, seven, eight dollars a day. I was good. I gave my mother three dollars. I still got four. I go to Coney Island. I buy for a dollar back in those days, you get yourself a hero sandwich. Twinkies, a Coca Cola, and still have change from a dollar. But those were those were those were like the best days, right? But anyway, um, uh, I so I became a I became a social worker, and I was working with young people. I worked with the I worked with the Quakers, the American Friends Service Committee, a group called Charas, a group called uh, Quando. Uh, advocates for children, and I ended up at a place called Henry Street Settlement, which is a very well-established settlement house. It was probably one of the first settlement houses in the United States and uh, downtown Manhattan. So I was working there for a few years um, with young people, helping them give them a, a sense of direction um, teaching them how to how to write out an application for a job, a resume, how to present themselves in a job interview, how to answer the questions, how to maintain, how to keep a job. So I was providing all these what I would consider social tools. Okay. And um, I have been doing that. And I want to tell you, for me, it was like probably one of the best jobs I ever had because I was helping people to help themselves. I was doing it right there in my own neighborhood, my own community. And um, after a few years, you know, I'm doing it. And one day, uh, these two young people didn't show up. So I went out to the street looking for them. And because they didn't show up, you know, and it was something that I never did. So I went out to the street looking for them. And I ran into a friend of me that I hadn't seen in a few years. And um, we started talking, and he said, yeah, I'm ready for a TV show. They're coming to New York. They're going to be looking for people. Hey, man, why don't you take down this number, see if you could get a part? 
And I'm like, nah, nah, bro. I'm okay, man. You know, I haven't done this. Nah, see if you could get a part. I said, nah, man, really, I'm, I'm, I'm good, bro. I'm good. I got, I got a nine to five. I love it. Nah, bro, just check it out. See what happens. I, okay. I go. I audition. I have no clue what I'm what doing. I walked out of the audition. I, I thought that was the last of it. Fine, because I didn't know the process. I get a phone call from my friends to say, hey, man, the producers and the director wants to meet you next week. I said, what? So I go in, and I read for the producer and the director. I'm bugging out. I read for them. They say, thank you. I go home, blew it off. Then that third week, I get a phone call from a guy named Richard. He said, hey, so I'm your friend's agent, the one that set you up for these interviews. And I like to represent you. And to represent me for what? Well, you just booked the season. You just booked a guest starring part in the season premiere of Miami Vice. And I go, I go, I did, I did, I did what? He said, you just got a guest starring on the season premiere of Miami Vice. I had no clue what Miami Vice was. Because I don't watch TV, right? So I, I call my friend up and say, Yo, Mikey, what's this Miami Vice? I said, oh, boy, it comes on Friday night. Check it out. I'm sitting at home. I'm watching it. And I go, excuse my language. Oh, shit. What did I get myself into here? <laughs> These are the big boys. So, oh, man, it was like the major leagues, bro. <laughs> it's not, you know? It's not street it's theater like, anymore, man. It's not street theater anymore. It, it, it's like going from high school Right to the major leagues, right? So, so I'm, I'm like thinking, and this agent says, "Yeah, this is how much money you're gonna be making." And I go, "What?" I go, "Yeah." I said, "Okay." I'll be honest with you. In doing that job, all I wanted was to make enough money to buy me a used car, so I can drive to the beach on the weekends and not have to take the train. And the bus. So they used to love going to the beach. Okay. You know, so I got the car and my best friend totaled the car the next day. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I went back to work as a social worker because I didn't understand this business, you know? Mm-hmm. So this this Asian guy would call me up, hey man, uh, you wanna go to audition for this, for that? So I go, Yeah, okay. I had no clue what I was doing. I'm going to these auditions. I'm getting these parts. You didn't understand that it was a business at the time. Yeah, because, like I said, to me, it was all a hobby. You know? And then, um, but it was subsidizing my salary as a social worker. You know? And it was paying pretty cool. I got you to join the, the, the Screen Actors Guild. I was getting health benefits and dental benefits. I go, okay. This is pretty cool, you know? So I ended up doing this movie, and I was getting all these little bit parts, you know? Mm-hmm. But, but in working, I had, to, I had to do what I preach, you know? Right. And that was, that was like I had to be a good listener, you know? I had to be a sponge to... Soaking all the knowledge that was before me, 
And I ended up doing this movie called Family Business with Matthew Bartering, Dustin Hoffman, Sean Connery. And it was being directed by the great, great, great mentor of mine, Sidney Lamette. Wow. And it was just a little role, a little part, no big deal. He liked what I did. And he goes, comes to me and said, uh, I might be doing this movie in the spring and there might be a part for you. So you got to understand, I was working like one, two, three days on each thing that I was doing. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. so I think, so I said, oh, wow, maybe I'll get five days out of that project, you know? And so I went in an audition six months later for him. I got the call and I ended up, my first co-starring part was a movie called Miami Vice. I mean, not Miami, Miami a Q&A okay. that Sidney Lumet directed. And man, I got to work on the movie from the beginning I was on this movie for eight weeks. Wow. Three weeks of rehearsal and five weeks of shooting with phenomenal actors. You know, and and uh, like I said, it was it was like freaking amazing. I said, what? Give so, me- yeah, you know, but but I, I always consider myself a student. I, I was learning stuff. Like I said, I was just soaking up knowledge and... More and more, I just kept getting all these great little parts that kept expanding. You know, my the, my roles just kept expanding more and more and more. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I was just like I said, man. I was just like over the moon. Luis, let me ask you this: I've I've read your bio. I've looked into you a little bit. There's one of the things that that I noticed. And I really appreciate is no matter what's your level of success, and you're a very successful actor, you're still very humble. What keeps you grounded? My mother. My mom. Okay. Because my mom, my mom taught me always that I'm not, I'm not, I'm as good as myself. I'm not better than anybody else. You know? Um, But also, you got to understand, in the business, I would look at people and I would just see how people would deal with like their egos and all this and all that. And it was like, oh, that's bad. And you know what? People, there were other actors that would say, oh, yo, dude, you need an ego. I, said, I need an ego. What do I need an ego for? Yeah, you know, because you got to, you know, and I said, my thing was always about just putting in the work, you know? Because like I said, as a social worker, here I am telling all these young people, how to keep their jobs, how to do what they got to do, how to grow, how to learn. I had to, I had to use those skills myself. So practice what you preach. Yeah. You got to practice what you preach. And that's what I did, you know? So, so, um, like I said, I just kept getting these parts. I mean, I did a movie called Crocodile Dundee too. Remember the whole world saw that the whole world saw that, you know? Um, and, but I was always in the very beginning of my career, I was like, you're that guy, right? People would come up to me. You're that guy. Like nobody knew my name, (laughs) you know? And then, and then the most funny thing, the movie, the movie ghost came out. I was not in ghost, (laughs) but 
I gotta tell you, ever since that movie came out, why did you kill Patrick Swayze? I love you in Ghost. If I got a nickel, if I got a nickel for every person that has said that to me over my career, you and I, right, I would have flown you into my own little private island. (laughs) We would have done this interview face to face. You would have had a pina colada for breakfast. You know, lobster rolls for lunch. Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah, what I'm saying. That is that is so that is so funny because my wife and I had an argument two nights ago, and she was going, "Hey, guess what? I finally got that interview with with Luis Guzman." She goes, "Oh, that's that's the guy from Ghost, right? I didn't like his character." I go, "No, he wasn't in Ghost." And she goes, "Yeah." We get into an argument. Yeah. She pull she pulls up on the screen. Look, here he is. I go, "That's not him." Read it. And she goes, "Oh, it's not him." <laughs> so, yeah, I, I believe it. So. You know, I, I feel your pain, man, because us good-looking guys just get mis- mistaken yeah, for everybody else, man. man. You know God. what I mean? So but, you but, weren't in Ghost, but half the world thinks you were. Yeah, so anyway, I just, I just after a while, I stopped explaining to people. It's like anybody will come up, come, come up to me and go, thank you very much. I <laughs> that was it. That's all I could do, right? Luis, you say it's your your mother that's kept you grounded, but I can't help but ask. I mean, you're sitting there, you've you've have a thirty year career, you've been in on movies, you've been on television, you're well known. Isn't it kind of easy to get pulled into the whole glitz and glamour of everything? Yes, it is, and it's kind of cool some of the time. You know what I mean? Um, it's kind of really cool some of the time, but it's just not my vibe. Okay. That's kind of why I live, I live here in Vermont. I live like in the middle of the woods. Whoa, 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 whoa. You live in where? In Vermont. You hang out with Bob Newhart or what, man? No, Bob Newhart wish he could hang out with me, but he can't find me. Okay. The only people who know where I live. It's the UPS, the FedEx guy, and the post guy. Okay, the a New York, a New York Puerto Rican raised in the Lower East Side, and you're living in Vermont. I mean that. Oh yeah, baby. I would have never imagined. I mean, and we do we do maple syrup here. We we have we have we have uh, honeybees here. We do gardening. Um, you know, it's it's yeah, man. I stack my own wood. You're just a regular you know Renaissance I mean? man out there, huh? Yeah, well, I try. Okay. You know. Okay, I, I would have never, Luis, I would have never thought that of you. I mean, watching you on the screen and everything, I would have never believed that you're uh, just a guy living in Vermont, living off the land and collecting syrup and raising honeybees. Yeah, man. That's cool. It's great because, like I said, for me, I just chill here, bro. That is nice. You know, um, uh, I, what I do now, though, is that I do go out and. I go like down to Puerto Rico now to hang out with my with my family there that I have, you know. Um, I travel a little bit here and there, but you know I gravitate to Vermont. Okay, I get it. I get it. So, do you ever make it back home yeah. to the to the old stomping grounds where you were raised? Oh yeah, the Lower East Side. Yeah, but you know what? Like so many neighborhoods and community, man. That my neighborhood has been so. So gentrified and stuff like that, yeah, that, you yeah. know. It's a shame. Um, it's a shame. It's, 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 it's shameful, you know. I mean, I don't, 
I don't understand how people pay twenty three hundred dollars for a studio apartment. You know, my first my first apartment was a studio apartment, and I paid one hundred and seventy five dollars a month for that apartment. Wow. Okay, that same apartment is twenty two. Two thousand two hundred fifty dollars a month. That same apartment, and it's like it's still the same walls, same floors, and everything. And it's like, and it was probably it was it. probably old when you moved in, and it's even older now. Still the same price. Yeah, ah, it's crazy. That's crazy. Let's move on to what um, Netflix. You are in the um, for the second season. Congratulations on the second season of Wednesday. Thank you. How how did that how did that come about? I mean, Tim Burton, you know, doing it. I mean, that's amazing. I love it. And um, you got the call one day. Yeah, I was in Cardiff, Wales, um, doing a movie out there, and um, I got a phone call that Tim Burton wanted to speak to me. And I was uh, I, I, that kind I, of freak I you out? Like, I mean, that freaked me out. Hey, Tim Burton's I, on the I phone. Was like, I was like, "Oh shit, I'm gonna be a monster or something." <laughs> no, I love I love Tim Burton, man. He's so genius. So I got a phone call, and I said, "Yeah, yeah, I'd love to talk to him." And so we got on a Zoom meeting. Man, I was so freaking blown away talking to Tim Burton. This guy was amazing. Um, talk about down to earth, man. That was that guy. And he was telling me about this project he was doing, and then he spits out, I would love for you to play Gomez. And it wasn't even a question, man. It was not even a question. Gomez. I, I, I absolutely immediately hopped on it, and I said, yes, man. And, you know. Um, I mean, you probably grew up, was, watching, you grew up watching The Addams Family, didn't you? Oh, man, yeah. I grew up watching We. Grew up watching, you know, the original, the black and white with John mm-hmm, Ashton, mm-hmm. And, and then I saw the movie with my compadre Raul Julia in it, and um, I was thrilled, man. I was like blown away. I was like, "What? For real?" And so, you know, here I here I was, and I'm doing this film. I mean this this uh, Netflix show, and uh, it was like so real to me, man. You know, um, I was absolutely totally blown away. I was honored. And it's and like you're working, you're it's working like, with some talent. You're working with some good stars there. I mean, Catherine oh, Zeta Jones. I mean, listen, Catherine and I, we worked together on the movie Traffic. I remember that. And uh, at the time, at the time, she was pregnant with her son, which was really cool. But, you know, all the, uh, now here we are being these two passionate, inseparable people in this iconic show. And to Jenna Ortega, because she's amazing, that young lady is amazing. Was mind-blowing um, how she took her role and she just blew it up. You know, and again, you know, working with people like like Al and Miles, our writers, 
you know, um, those guys, man, that it's, it's some of the best comedy writing I have, I have been a part of in a long time. I've done quite a few things, but what I really dug about this, this style was that it wasn't slapstick, you know, it was all about the environment, the situations that made, and the, that dialogue, mm-hmm. that iconic Adam's family dialogue that made this project so beautiful, so iconic, you know. And and I tip my hat to every single, every single participant in this, from from the actors to our crew to our directors, producers, of course our writers. You know, and the whole Netflix machine because um, this was a big deal. This was a real big deal, and to be a part of it, man. You know, I mean, the I'm a- kind of glad that, that this is where I live in Vermont, man. Because because it's like, man, I went into the city and ev- everybody saw Wednesday, yeah. which I'm which I'm which I'm really happy about. Yeah, way. I mean. It- it, it, it's it's amazing that I mean the Adams family itself is iconic. I mean we grew up with it. Yeah, we man. grew up with it. Um, the movie came out, and now it's now you it, now another generation of people are actually seeing it. Yeah. Well, you know, you hit it right on the nail. This is it's a generational piece. It, you know, it, it's almost become like a franchise. But what I'm really yeah. what I'm particularly proud of is that the Latinos that are playing in some of the major roles. I mean, we're you know, we're underrepresented as a community. We're not enough Latinos on the on the big screen or the little screen. And I am just so proud the fact that that you and Ortega are over there and just really representing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, like I said, it, it it was it was like a dream job, bro. You know, it was like it was like um, you know, I I have friends. My friends would call me up and they go, dude. You're stepping into some big shoes, and it's like some of my friends. Oh, are you stressed? And it was like I wasn't stepping into big shoes, and I'm definitely not stressed. I'm an artist, you know. And every job that I approach, it's like I'm showing up to a blank canvas. There you go. You see, and I'm gonna put my strokes on that. You know, but at the same time, this man, I just wanted to really honor all of those that went before me. John Ashton, well, Julia, you know, mm-hmm. honor the work, honor that character of Gomez Adams, you know, because it was like people would ask me, so what, what was that the toughest thing about preparing for Gomez? I'd say, you know what? It's not the toughest preparation. It was just understanding this. It's understanding love. It's understanding passion. It's understanding being caring, caring for your wife, for your daughter, for your son. Being a man's man. You know? Mm -hmm. And so that's what I arm. That's what I took to work every day because John Ashton was in love with his Morticia. Raul Julia 
was in love with his Morticia. Louis Guzman was in love with his Morticia. You know? But again, again, I give credit to the writing. You know, right. because it afforded me the opportunity to be able to emulate that. Luis, out of all the roles you've played over the past 30 years, where does Gomez, how does it line up with all the other characters you've done? Again, again, I go back to that whole metaphor of mine of it was it was just taking another canvas. You know, every everything that I've done, I've been a, a canvas okay. to me. And and this one, this one, you know, look, it was really special. This being in Wednesday was really super special because, again, it's like I think it's the first time that I've done a role that's been done. And I'm, man, listen, I, I was just honored okay. to be a part of it. You know, I was. I was just humbled to be asked to do it. You know, um, I can't compare it to anything because they all mean something. It's been a great experience for you. Yeah, you know, and, um, you know, it just elevated me to a a different level. What's next for Luis Guzman? Well, um, um, I do have uh, a few projects that um, we're negotiating right now to do. Now I understand you're going to be in Austin. You're going to be in my hometown, Austin, Texas, here soon. I'm going to be at South by Southwest in Austin, Texas, first week of March. Um, I have a, a movie that's premiering there called Story Avenue. I star opposite of uh, Asante Black. Uh, it's, it's a movie. Uh, directed by Aristotle Torres and also written by Aristotle Torres. Uh, my son, Semi Guzman, is one of the producers. Uh, I'm also one of the producers. And um, it's a beautiful story, man. It's a coming-of-age story. And we're premiering it there in Austin. And uh, I hope to see uh, people come out and enjoy this really special project of mine. And, you know, again, we're coming back to do the second season of Wednesday. I believe sometime in the fall is when we will okay. go back in production. Yeah. Where do you film? Where, where does that, where do you film on, on Wednesday? Where? Uh, well, we filmed this first season in Romania. Romania? In Bucharest. Yeah, we went all the way to Romania. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you know, part of my contract was that I needed some I needed some travel miles. So <laughs> the further they went, the better it worked out for me. No, 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 no. Hey, no. if you ever need somebody to carry your luggage, Luis, just give me a call, what? man. Bro, uh, I don't take I don't take no luggage, just a backpack. Just a backpack? I, I, get, I get everything when I get there. Uh, Romania, okay, that, yeah, yeah, that's different. Well, Louis- it was it's very different. The people there were really great. I love the people there. 
It was pretty awesome, and um, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. Man, I, I just cannot imagine. You have lived a very, very blessed life, um, and you give a lot of credit to your mother. I know that that's that's important because moms. But, but by the way, if I may, so my mom is eighty-three years old. She just retired from working in the hospital, December thirtieth of this past year. I'll be darned. So. Well, this is how humble my mother is. Her last day of work, her official last day of work, well, that she went in, no, that her official last day of work was December 30th. So they were having a party for her at work. You know what my mom did at 7.30 in the morning? What's that? Called the office and called in sick. And she goes, I don't like parties. Oh, my gosh. She's a happy lady now, man. You know, I'm. I'm like every every time I speak to my mother, and like, well, I'll go back. God bless her. She worked to 83 years old. My gosh. 83 years old. And she didn't have to work. I mean, I'm assuming no. She wanted to work. She wanted to work because it's what keeps her alive. Was what keeps her going. Well, you know, and I'm proud about that. So. Before we go, and I want to thank you once again for, for making time to be on this podcast. It's it's uh, exciting having you on the show. We have a lot of listeners out there. And one of the things I've noticed is that in your career, not only, you have a, not only do you have a successful career, but it's that internal fortitude. What what drives you? I know you're humble, and I know you put a lot of stock into family and raising, but, but what is it that makes you get up every morning? What drives you that... Maybe some of our listeners might be able to tap into or better understand Luis Guzman and what drives him. So maybe they can get a little piece of that as well. Mm. Well, um, well, I love I love my job. I love what I do. I love the opportunities that are presented to me. I love working with some awesome people. I love experiencing new things in this world. Um, I love, I love, um, you know, just the opportunities that are pretty much presented to me. Um, I love to create. I love all these different roles that come and my way and what I get to do with them. I love the collaboration of working with other artists. Um, and, um, you know, I often think of, of this, I, I, I tell my friends, like, who knew? Who knew? You know? You and that's kind of part of the motivation, too. You know, and and to other young actors, other young people out there, or just people in general, it's like, you know, really follow your dreams, man. Work at it. You know, uh, you got to put in the time. You got to, you got to, you got to show up with a good heart. Humble yourself. Okay. Good advice. Humble yourself. And if and if opportunity knocks, don't be afraid to answer the door because it might be Tim Burton. That's right. 
Or it could be Louis Guzman. Andale. You going to work with? What? Hey, Louis going to invite me to Vermont, man. We're going to go mess with some bees and get some syrup. Louis, you know, thank so, you. But um, listen, I'm just I'm I uh, I'm grateful to you and and uh, you know the opportunity to spend this time with you and you too, sir. You keep doing what you do. How long have you been doing this, by the way? Well, at least I've been doing this for a while. I'm kind of like you. I mean, I just kind of started off as a hobby during uh, the pandemic is when I started getting serious. But I've um, owned a public relations advertising firm for, for many years. I've had a very uh, very blessed and, and active life myself. And just when I, the opportunity when the whole podcasting seemed to be um, a natural. And as my dad used to say, Mijo, you have a face for radio. So that's why we're yeah. doing... <laughs> that's why we do audio only <laughs> but um i enjoy it i enjoy it i enjoy meeting people and and interviewing such as you but more important i enjoy getting the message out where people can see other people as role models their successes and go you know Sabiske, maybe i can do that too um we all have a story and i just want to share those stories because i think I, us as a community we don't share enough of our stories and enough of our successes so i agree thank you for asking Ladies and gentlemen, you've had um, Luis Guzman, and you're listening to the Latino Business Report. My name is J.R. Gonzalez. And Luis, once again, thank you very much. I hope to meet you one of these days soon. I'm going to try to make your, your gig over here in Austin when you come down for South by Southwest. Um, if, if, you, uh, if you like, folks, um, if you're not already, follow us. You can follow us um, just about anywhere you listen to podcasts. We also have a website, latinobusinessreport.com. You can find our entire library of episodes also on YouTube. They're audio only, but you can uh, find them by the same name, latinobusinessreport.com. Until then, Louis, any other, any parting advice before we go, amigo? No, papi, I got, I got, I got my son calling me from overseas, so, um, but... We'll meet up again, brother. Hermano, take care. You know how to get a hold of me. And uh, thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, until next time.